0: You are listening to The Current Daily, the official podcast of UC San Diego's IT Services Department. I'm your host, Miguel Rodriguez. Today is Thursday, August 27th. I hope you enjoyed yesterday's all-hands meeting. If you missed it, or just want to relive the excitement, It will be posted on The Current in short order, hopefully by the end of the week. Also, during the All Hands, our 100th episode was mentioned, during which we featured multiple interviews from across IT services on how people are coping in the age of COVID-19. We'll put a link to that on the homepage of The Current. Don't forget, today is the next installment of Campus Lisa webinars. Head to campuslisa.ucsd.edu to get registered. And those are your updates. Now on to some thoughts on how improv comedy can teach us valuable lessons for the workplace.
1: This is Mark Herzberger. Today I'm joined by someone who is great at softball and mediocre at comedy. He is Gary (laughs) Kramer, Artistic Director of National Comedy Theater. Gary, welcome to the pod. How are you? Thank you. I'm great.
2: I'm, I'm, I'm not even so good at softball anymore, but as time goes on, so I've reached a level of mediocrity of everything I do, so I think that's a good thing in 2020.
1: Indeed. Uh, so we're going outside the box here. Uh, I know, Gary, um, on more of a personal level, if people haven't figured it out, our days playing some recreational league softball. I have not been on the old diamond in years, Gary. Not sure about you. Same here. Same here. Tragic injuries kept me off. I remember that one. We'll do that on your next visit to the pod. (laughs) Please, yes. Let's not talk about it. (laughs) All right. We're going to talk. National Comedy Theater is an improv operation. And uh, you have some lessons for us about what improv comedy can teach us about uh, the workplace and the business world. But before we get into that, um, help us understand uh, what is National Comedy Theater? Great. Well, the National
2: Comedy Theater is an improvised theater company. We've been in San Diego now for 20 years, I think, 20 and plus 2020. I think we have to count that separate. We can't quite say 21 years yet. And we do about 300 performances a year at our theater. Our theater is located in Mission Hills and the entire show is completely improvised. So we make up the entire thing as we go based on audience suggestions so it's something you might have seen on Whose Line Is It Anyway or Second City, that sort of idea. Every show is completely different. We don't know what's going to happen when the curtain rises. And it goes from there. A show runs about two hours in length, and we don't know where it's going to go each night.
1: You had set the record, most performances in San Diego as of a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Most shows, yeah.
2: Most uh, continuous shows in San Diego history. Once we get back on stage again, we'll try to keep that record going until the authorities shut us down again. Actually, that used to be our joke. We'll do this until the authorities shut us down. And indeed, in March, the authorities did shut us down. Not for the reasons that we expected, though. Uh,
1: I'm going to coin this phrase, careful what you were sure. I just made that
2: Exactly. Always wanted to take a long vacation.
1: (laughs) Cool. So that's a good description of the theater and improv. And I think this is probably a question you get a lot, or people might find it surprising. But even though it's improv, you actually rehearse a lot. Why do you do that? Absolutely. Yeah. The, the
2: casts, all of our cast, we have four casts. They have gone through a lot of training, years of training, many of them. And we rehearse every week. It's not unlike a baseball team or a softball team having practice every week. We rehearse skills that are necessary to do this particular art form. We rehearse so that the team stays connected to each other. We learn about and study different formats of doing improv, different areas that might be lacking. For example, we might be improvising a Shakespearean scene on a given week. So we'll rehearse Shakespeare. How, how do we take apart Shakespeare? How did he write? So for us to be able to parody another form, we need to rehearse it. We need to understand it and learn it. So that's another reason that we would rehearse. But mostly it's to keep our skills together to make sure we all stay connected To make sure we're all thinking the same way. And so you have to go over it, polish your skills, make sure you're working out any little bugs. So we can't rehearse what the content of the show will be because the content is different every single time. But we can rehearse our intent. How are we approaching it? What techniques are we using to make this art form work and to make it seamless? We're also doing a show. This is a live show for a paying crowd. So we've got to make sure that the show elements are there as well. So we're not just doing classroom open improv scenes, when an audience comes, there's got to be, you know, a button at the end of each scene. And what's the story arc? And we work on things like that to keep a consistent performance and to keep the show growing.
1: Before we get into, you know, applying lessons from improv to business, as far as I know, and that's very limited, the core concept of improv is the idea, yes, and, yes, comma, and. So what is that, just to, to get us settled here? Of course, yeah,
2: that's sort of the... Ground zero, the beginning of all things for this particular theatrical format. And the idea of yes and is to take someone else's idea. So anyone who comes up with a suggestion within a scene, your scene partner, anyone else on stage with you, to agree with what they're going after and then to add a little bit of information on top of it. So whatever you say, I'm going to say, that's a super idea. And then I will advance your idea along a little bit. And then you're going to do the same thing back to me. You're going to take whatever advancements I put on your idea and agree with that. And by doing that, we sort of scaffold our way into a more complex scene, if that makes sense. The opposite of that would be saying, no, but, or no, I've got a different idea. If you have a scene that says, hey, I think the scene should go in this direction. I go, "No, nah, you know, I really think the scene should go in that direction. What we end up with is an argument. We end up with two big egos arguing about what's the correct way to go, and nothing gets accomplished. We do not grow anything. We're going to have one side resenting the other side, and one person's going to have to give up their idea and say, forget it. Okay, I guess I'll go your way, but I disagree with you. And that's just not the way to grow an idea at all. But we have applied that directly to business and have taught that to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of corporations and organizations over the years using that concept to brainstorm ideas and to grow ideas and to move in different directions.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So keep going. What, what's the link <laughs> um, from Yes And? How do we apply that in the business and the workplace uh, environment? Every idea on the table can be valid. It doesn't mean that we always choose it. We have 10 people
2: in a room with 10 different ideas and we're throwing it up on a whiteboard somewhere. But to take an idea and rather than saying, why won't this work? If you come up with an idea, I go, that's a great idea. And I think we can also do this with your idea. That's going to further the conversation. We can take a seed and grow it. If I have two divisions that are merging in an organization, and saying, well, we always do it this way. And the other division says, well, we always do it that way. There's no growth. If I want to go left and you want to go right, and we each hold on to the idea that we have without being willing to go in the other direction a little bit, we're not going to get anywhere, but if you want to go left, and that's the first thing you say, "Well, we go left." And I' like, okay, well, let's try left. I do think as we're going left, that maybe we, we might want to shimmy a little bit to the side. You know, it's cool. I hadn't thought of that. We've always just gone left, but adding that shimmy might be nice. Actually, after we do the shimmy, we might be able to do uh, this and then that. All of a sudden, we've combined our two minds and we've come up with a third idea that we wouldn't have come up with on our own, And that works so well in so many business ideas. We always compare it to um, Reese's peanut butter cups, right? All I do is chocolate. All I do is peanut butter. There is no compromise between those two. Those are two completely different things. But if I say, "What well, if we take your chocolate and we add my peanut butter to it, then all of a sudden we end up with a delicious snack treat. And the concept of saying yes to someone else's idea and adding my idea to it that's not contradictory is very, very healthy in a business setting. And we both win. So there's, it's a, we don't have that zero-sum thing going. We have a win-win happening.
1: And you were telling me before we got going, you know, other concepts from improv that are helpful, like the idea, you know, you're never alone. You're always working with somebody. How can we do this through line of collaboration, yes, and, and kind of maybe that teamwork element? you were Sure.
2: Making? Improv is all about collaboration. And that's part of why it fits so well in the business world. It, staying in the comedy world, you know, the, the two main thrusts of comedy, you know, stand-up versus improv or sketch. You know, stand up as one person alone and a microphone improv is, is more creating sketches and doing with other people. We have to collaborate with our fellow performers. And it's a really positive thing for me to take your idea and go, wow, that's such a great idea. I can run with that. And then for you to say, great, well, I'm going to run with you and add my stuff to it we're able to work off of each other's best thinking without all the pressure being on one person sitting alone. Imagine sitting by yourself trying to write something. We've all done that. You're sitting in front of the keyboard with a blank screen in front of you and trying to come up with an idea. But if one person says, hey, why don't we start with a house that's really frightening at the end of the street that no one's ever walked into? Someone says that to you and you go, yeah, yeah, that's cool. And there's a rumor that there was a murder last year. And the other person goes, yeah, you know, and it and it was the housekeeping. And all of a sudden, based on one person having an idea, another person can have an idea to add on to that. And we start to flow. You get into a flow working with other people. Well, telling a story is no different from creating a product or starting a new process at work. Someone has the initial idea. Now we can start to run with it. And that's a really creative way of approaching a problem. You can do it with yourself. I mean, I just did it with myself, right? (laughs) Back and forth. All you need is that first line. You put that down and you just say yes to that. I'm going with that. I'm going to just keep adding on to it. And it creates this sort of pyramid effect where it just keeps growing and growing and growing.
1: We've arrived at the part of the interview that I could very well regret later. You also said that you had an exercise you could take me through. Oh, I
2: threatened you with that. Yeah. Uh,
1: Yeah, and I'm I'm dumb enough to have brought it back up.
2: Great. There, that's what I want. See, you're already learning, Mark. That's how it (laughs) works. I'm going to do a game. It's really simple. It's called the Yes And Interview, and it's something we do very early on in improv training. What it's going to be is I'm going to assign a thing to you that you are an expert in. Okay? It's going to be something weird. It's uh, something that you're probably not an expert in. I know I have a lot of things to choose from, but it's going to be very, very simple. And I'm just going to interview you. I'm going to make a series of statements to you one at a time. After I say my statement, the first two words you were going to say are yes and. Okay. Now, we wouldn't normally talk like this in real life or on stage, but for the purpose of the exercise, it kind of gets your mind going in that direction. And you're just going to add one tiny, tiny piece of information to whatever I said. Like I just did that sort of haunted house story. I was just adding one little thing at a time. So don't think you need to write a big, long thing. Don't talk for 10 minutes. What, say one sentence back to me, but starting with the S Cool? Okay. It's that I'm simple. Ready. I'm ready. All right, Mark, you're the world famous expert on shoelaces. Okay, you know, everything there is to know about shoelaces. You've put out a book. They're actually making a documentary about the writing of the book. Thank you, Mark, for being here. Now, Mark, I understand that you actually have shoelaces from all over the world, and you've Realized that shoelaces from different countries sort of represent a lot about the culture of each country. You could tell a lot about a country by their shoelaces.
1: Yes, and uh, you just wouldn't believe uh, the different patterns and uh, level of detail that people around the world put into their shoelaces. Yeah, I mean, some of those details uh, actually,
2: if you really study them closer, are almost like a, a written history of the country that you can tell. Just from the patterns in the shoelaces.
1: Yes. And uh, I can't tell you the number of uh, times I've, I've realized that myself or, or really taken the time to, to just really look closely at those shoelaces and, and learn so much. Yeah. In fact, there have been entire like college courses now
2: that are being taught at home, especially during this COVID thing, by uh, people just looking at their shoelaces and say, have like imported shoes that they can actually learn the history of different countries. Like, there's a lot actually there's a lot of italian history that you could tell just from some of the italian loafers that they have like the, the laces on the italian loafers you could there's there's some really interesting stories about those
1: yes and uh, if you ask me that that should be uc san diego's uh, newest major uh, in fact maybe it should be a required for all freshmen yeah i, I think that's a great idea okay that's it thank you mark great job right so <laughs> you even
2: tied it back to uc system <laughs> so again, it it's pretty easy right it, all of a sudden you end up with too many ideas is typically. Well, you tell me. I don't want to tell you what you were feeling there.
1: Was that hard? Um, you know, as, as my poor beleaguered manager knows, most of the stuff I tell her, I'm just making up anyway. <laughs> 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 no, no one listens to this. No one listens to this. <laughs> but uh, how do we get, though, maybe to, to round out this section of the interview, though? You know, it, it is one thing to, to get the ideas flowing and to and to do the yes and, but how do we turn this into kind of something practical, or how do we get to consensus? Because we, you know, we do have real managers and real chancellors that that want decisions and want, you know, impact. Of course. And all this kind of stuff. So how do we close out the exercise?
2: Right. Well, I mean that that is a, a specifically the exercise is demonstrating the creative spirit that is generated by saying yes to ideas. I know that I would not play the game of yes and in a boardroom and right. actually do that. It's an exercise that we actually do with corporations. We've done that with managers. We've done that with corporate executives. We've done with students, teachers, all, all walks of life to kind of show like, you know, by saying yes, rather than saying no to somebody else, you are opening the door to some really cool creative things happening. In that exercise, it gets silly and funny and creative, but what if we were doing it, talking about, you know, how, you know, are there any different ways of talking about creating the network? You know, how can we make the network better? Dealing in the IT world, there's not as much room for creativity, there's a lot of ones and zeros there, but there's, you know, is there a different way of looking at this problem? And by saying yes, it faces the question of not being afraid of having an idea, being judged for your idea, or failing at your idea. In my world, the onstage world, the fear of failure is something that people, that's why people don't want to get on stage. That's, that's the number one, you know, oh, I don't like talking from people. I'll screw it up. I'll freeze. I'm going to fail at it. In the improv world, that fear of failure is what keeps us coming back. And it's what keeps the audience there. The essence that failure could be there, and for us, it's how do we approach failure? What's the worst thing that's going to happen if an idea doesn't work? For us, uh, scene bombs or your joke lands flat or something like that, where very often our best successes come out of those failures. And you know, you could read a thousand different business books to talk about all the failures that turned into giant successes. If we keep saying, "I don't want to give my idea because I'm afraid to fail." I'm not really trying to succeed. I'm just trying to not fail. And that creates flat work. It creates you know, no advancement. We don't grow any ideas. We keep trying to not do things. And how do you try to not do something? You're looking backwards. You're not looking forwards anymore. So the concept of yes and really ties into the fear of failure, the fear of providing ideas, brainstorming things that are outside of the box. Tying it to management, we really try to encourage management to not turn down other people's ideas right away, but maybe run with it a little bit. Let's see what happens. Whether you discuss it out or whether you actually try to implement it, depending on what the idea is, what's the worst that's going to happen? You know, unless we're investing the, all of our budget into this one idea that we didn't really think through very well. You don't get it overnight, but when people take our classes, very often we have tons of people come back to us saying, I've tried some of your techniques and it really opened up better communication with my colleagues and with our clients and with each other and with management to try things a little bit differently, to try to say yes, rather than be careful, you might fail with this idea. That's too many organizations think that way.
1: Yeah, and on that note, what are some of the both adult and kid classes that NCT offers in improv training, and, and how does it work in the age of COVID-19?
2: Well, thank you for the setup for the commercial there, Mark. I appreciate that. We need to build up uh, our sponsor base on this. Yeah,
0: please. Yeah.
1: Uh, we've been
2: doing classes on Zoom, which we didn't know that we'd be able to pull off. Pre-COVID, we had all sorts of classes running all the time. They usually run in six-week segments, usually in the evenings. So we have adult classes at all levels. People, you know, start with a level one class, and it's very, very easy. Games like we did the Yes and game. You know, it's that sort of. It's about as difficult as that. Really, it's getting over the fear of getting in front of other people, and really the the fear of oh my gosh, I'm walking into a thing where I have no script. What am I going to do? We run adult classes. We have teen classes. We have kids classes. This year, we actually or last year, we started offering classes just for senior citizens. We do classes for teens on the autism spectrum through our nonprofit partner, and we do corporate events. So we go out to different corporations and show this, you know, in one-off sessions typically. we've done everyone from Apple to Xerox, Microsoft, all those guys. And uh, I think we've done UCSD, actually. A huge amount of fun. We're now doing them on Zoom for the time being. We'll see how much longer that goes. Through the end of the year, I, I would think at least, we'll still be on Zoom. And so people are taking their classes from the comfort of their home. So they're sitting in the living room and we can, a lot of these concepts are completely understandable and doable in the Zoom environment. And it's also, you know, if things are really wrong, you can just close your computer and run away it's <laughs> Easier than sneaking out of the theater. So it's even lower stress. I do think people like to be out of the house because they're away from who they are. So when they're in the theater, or we have a classroom also at Liberty Station, if they're in the classroom, they can be something other than what they are at the home. But still, it's been a lot of fun working it out on Zoom, and we've been doing it
1: for a couple months now. We've been doing our Zoom classes. You've given me my next escape route for the meeting that I don't want to be in. Close the computer and just run. Close the computer, yeah. Or just freeze.
2: You just freeze your body, don't move, <laughs> and slow. Everyone thinks that you've frozen. Just hit mute. They can't hear you, and that's it. We started a, a nonprofit organization about three years ago. It's called Unscripted Learning, and it's focused on education on using improv in education.
1: All right, Gary, we really appreciate you joining us. Thank you so much for the lessons and hope to see you on a softball field soon. And I sincerely hope that National Comedy Theater can get back to doing what it does best as soon as possible. (laughs) Appreciate that. Thanks so much, Mark. You got it. Thanks, Gary.
0: I sure hope you're enjoying this podcast. Remember to let your fellow IT services staff members know. That This podcast exists. Get everyone to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you can get your podcasts. This podcast is a collaborative effort, and we want to hear from you. If you have any ideas for podcasts or topics, send them to me at its-podcast at ucsd.edu. That's it for today. Keep an ear out for the next episode of The Current Daily.